This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of America's House of Representatives, said that talks on raising the country's debt ceiling between him and President Joe Biden would continue on Monday. The pair spoke on the phone after Mr Biden called Republican demands, which include heavy spending cuts, quote, unacceptable, at a press conference at the end of a meeting of the G7, a club of rich democracies in Japan. Negotiations have grown increasingly heated in recent days. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, met the leaders of the G7 on the final day of their summit. Mr Biden promised that America would provide Ukraine with a further $375 million for the war effort. A day earlier, Mr Zelensky spoke with Narendra Modi, India's Prime Minister, for the first time since the Russian invasion. Mr Zelensky denied Russia's claims that its forces had at last occupied Bakhmut in eastern Ukraine, which they have been trying to capture for almost a year. President Vladimir Putin congratulated his fighters for taking the town, but Ukrainian officials said that their soldiers still held some positions there. The governing centre-right New Democracy Party comfortably won the most votes in Greece's general election on Sunday, but failed to secure a parliamentary majority. The left-wing Syriza Party performed unexpectedly poorly. ND's leader, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, the Prime Minister seems likely to win a majority after a second poll in July, with the help of bonus seats awarded under a new electoral system. China banned operators of its, quote, key infrastructure from buying products made by Micron Technology, an American maker of microchips. The Cyberspace Administration of China, the country's internet watchdog, said that the Idaho-based company posed, quote, significant security risks. The ban's scope is not yet clear, but it could extend to organisations involved in the financial sector, transport, energy and data centres. More than 75,000 people took to the streets of Chisinau, the capital of Moldova, to show their support for their government and Europe. The rally took place during a visit to the country by Roberto Metzola, the president of the European Parliament. Moldovan officials have accused Russia of trying to undermine its application to join the EU by funding protests and propaganda. Fellow authors paid tribute to Martin Amis, the British writer of darkly comic novels, including Money and London Fields, whose death at the age of 73 was announced on Saturday. Quote, his friends will miss him terribly, Sir Salman Rushdie told the New Yorker, but we have the shelf. And fact of the day, $31.8 million, the record amount fetched at auction in 2020 by, quote, Stan, a Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. America's debt ceiling drama intensifies. President Joe Biden, having left the G7 summit in Japan on Sunday, had hoped to tie a bow on a debt ceiling deal on his return to Washington. Instead, he looks likely to land squarely in the middle of high-stakes negotiations. 
Republicans have been pressing for big spending cuts and Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House of Representatives, feels that he must secure them to keep his fictitious caucus together. The Democrats, meanwhile, have been resisting them and progressives in the party have warned that they might reject any deal perceived as capitulation by Mr Biden's administration. The Treasury will use up its cash buffers as soon as June 1st, which means politicians have a fast-closing window in which to reach agreement. A no-deal scenario, which could trigger an American default, a devastating prospect for global markets, ought to be unthinkable. But anyone watching the negotiations closely is finding it harder to ignore. Great Powers in the Pacific The leaders of at least 14 Pacific countries will convene in Papua New Guinea on Monday for two separate meetings, one with Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, the other with Narendra Modi, India's Prime Minister. The gatherings are a sign of the region's growing strategic importance. The Pacific is, increasingly, the locus of power struggle between America and China. China used aid and investment to increase its influence there over the past decade. America mostly snoozed. It received a rude awakening in 2022 when China reached a security agreement with the Solomon Islands and has been playing catch-up since. Now, America is expected to sign a defence pact with Papua New Guinea, which is rumoured to provide access to the country's waters, airspace and military bases. Many Pacific Islanders are not enamoured with the plan. They fear militarisation and dislike their region being an arena for competing superpowers. Britain and Switzerland talk trade. Talks begin in London on Monday on another post-Brexit free trade agreement between Britain and Switzerland. The existing setup, signed in 2019, replicates the latter's piecemeal arrangements with the EU. Later deals added some flexibility for working between the two countries and provided mutual standards for some goods. Switzerland is Britain's fourth biggest market after the EU, America and China. Last year, it was the recipient of £33 billion worth, $41 billion, or 4.1% of British goods and services. That is three times more than Australia, with which Britain struck a much ballyhooed free trade deal in 2021. After that comes into force this month, it is forecast to add just 0.08% a year to GDP by 2035. Tim Scott's Longshot Presidential Bid On Monday, Tim Scott, a Republican senator from South Carolina, is expected to formally launch his campaign for America's presidency. Hardly anyone in the party has a bad word to say about Mr. Scott, who grew up in poverty with a single mother to become the first African-American senator to represent a southern state since 1881. Mr. Scott is no belligerent ideologue. His congressional record highlights his championing of opportunity zones, a tax incentive scheme to revitalise deprived neighbourhoods, and for a bipartisan effort at police reform that eventually foundered. Yet, his willingness to work across the aisle may end up working against him. Modern Republican voters expect a culture warrior, and polling suggests just 2% support Mr Scott. He clearly feels that playing the part will help his chances, however. In a recent video, he warned that empowering the radical left will trap families in failing schools and crime-ridden neighbourhoods. Some think he could ride the role into a vice presidential position. Wang Jihei lets nature take its course. 
Jihei Wang's last submission in 2012 to the Royal Horticultural Society Chelsea Flower Show, the Garden in Wells equivalent to Wimbledon, held in London each year, was inspired by the demilitarised zone that separates North and South Korea. The landscape's artist garden reproduced the scars left behind by the Korean War, almost 60 years before, and the wildlife that has since grown over it like stitches. It won the President's Award, one of Chelsea's most coveted prizes. Ms Wang will further explore the restorative power of nature in this year's show, which opens to the press on Monday and the public the following day. Her entry is based on the rocky outcrops of Jirisan, the highest mountain on the South Korean mainland, and its medicinal herbs, many of which are now endangered. Ms Wang hopes that in contemplating the plants that saved human lives before modern medicine, visitors will better understand humans' place in the natural world and the ways in which each can heal the other. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day of the week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Monday which car company, established in 1899, sells models including the Megane and Clio? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Arthur Conan Doyle, who was born on this day in 1859. Mediocrity knows nothing higher than itself, but talent instantly recognises genius. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 